I think that's the best way to, to try to get the, the truth out of people is to get them comfortable and also uh, trying to be sincere uh, and honest in what the intentions are. Touring with my parents, so every two, three weeks or sometimes every week, I was going to a different school. Take care of your people and your numbers will come back good. That's what I always say. Welcome to the Theatre Art Live podcast and hello. We're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe. The culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Anna Aguilera. And my name is Anna Robb. On this episode, we'll be talking to Christophe Cardinelli about being a carpenter in an acrobatic show. Christophe was born to a circus family in Portugal. He made his college studies with the Ahmed de la de l'Espace and worked for them for a few years. Later on, he returned to the circus life working as a carpenter and head of carpentry for Cirque du Soleil and Franco Dragon Entertainment Group. He has mad language skills. Hello. Welcome. Hello. Thank you. I am very jealous about your language skills. So speaking about language skills, how many languages do you know, Christoph? Mm, four. Wow. <laughs> what are they? Actually, but actually, Anna, she, she's pretty good too. I know. But Christoph not only speaks four languages, he can make something that very few people that I know can do is he can speak Portuguese with Brazilian accent and vocabulary and then Portuguese and same with Spanish and same with French I don't know English but he can do French Canadian French and then French French and Mexican Spanish and Spanish Spanish I'm a little bit jealous <laughs> well I wouldn't even under begin to understand the nuances between the different kinds of Spanish and Portuguese so I'm impressed <laughs> so Christoph, tell us a little bit about you and how you got into carpentry and, and into entertainment generally well uh, everything started uh, pretty much when I was born uh, I was born in uh, in a traditional circus family here in Portugal uh, I'm the eighth generation And afterwards, being touring with uh, my parents, uh, most of my children's life, uh, my parents became themselves uh, circus owners. And that's when my learning process started. Uh, my real uh, learning process started in the entertainment industry. So very early, I had to, to, uh, to get involved Uh, either in the logistics side of things or also in the acrobatic uh, side of things. But my family was specialized essentially on animal training, which I spent uh, most of the time that uh, I dedicated in, in circus at the time. But uh, when I turned 19, I had this crazy idea to uh, uh, get in the military life. Uh, so I integrated the military school back in France at this time because I have um, two nationalities, French and Portuguese. Obviously, I got graduated over there and I've started uh, to work a couple of uh, different things. But uh, the, the, main, the main one was international relations, which was uh, very interesting because I had to had contact with other armies from different parts of the world as well. So that was very interesting. 
And one day I came to visit my family here uh, in Portugal and I met my wife and that's when everything changed over again. So I had a, I took a three years sabbatical uh, to follow her on tour because she just had a contract to work with Cirque du Soleil. Very quickly, uh, I mean, uh, I had uh, an opportunity and uh, I've been able to have a job as a swing technician. Uh, this was uh, in 2007 uh, on Verakai. Uh, very quickly, uh, I start to 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 work as a as a carpenter or swing technician, which was very interesting because I I could do either a rigging track or a full spot operator uh, show track as well. So that was uh, pretty 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 fun. And with time. Uh, I became also a scenic maintenance coordinator on the same show for a year. And uh, I got promoted uh, a year later as a head carpenter. So since then, that's what I've been doing for Cirque. So I spent six and a half years on Verkai, uh, three years. I did the creation of Curious, Cabinet Curiosité as well. Uh, and I worked there for three years. Uh, and since 2016, end of 2016, I uh, got involved in the Dragon project uh, in Dubai with La Pearl till uh, end of October of this year. So that's pretty much uh, what I've been, uh, I've been doing so far. So who is the head of Carpentry? Who, what do you do as a head of Carpentry? Uh, sit in the office and uh, wait uh, the day to... <laughs> to end, that's what that's what the, all the head carpenters do, right? Oh, once once on the other, they send an email as well. No, no, <laughs> no. More seriously, there are a bit a bit uh, two differences uh, for, from my my experience. Okay, but mainly the head carpenter has uh, ownership of the stage and the backstage areas by experience. Okay, so he's responsible of uh, its maintenance, uh, making sure. Uh, that uh, all the areas are safe uh, and performer-friendly uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Also, getting involved and prepare all the, um, the trainings and rehearsals and also uh, making sure that everything is good to go for the shows as well. With what I've been doing, I can, I can, I can see two big differences. Uh, obviously, touring shows function a little bit differently than a, a resident show. Uh, but uh, and also the one that I worked previously uh, at La Pearl, this one was a bit more particular because its organization, at least for the carpentry department, was a little bit different. Explain to us what 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 were the differences between touring as a car head of carpentry and a resident resident show. A touring show uh, doesn't have the luxury of having a maintenance team at full time, for example. Uh, so teams are smaller as well, and uh, everybody does a little bit of everything. So that's 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 a, the cool the cool the cool part. But it's also more difficult for the head carpenter to find uh, people that have all the skills to 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 join the teams as well. So uh, for me to 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 have a, a a carpenter on tour, I need to make sure that I hire someone that is able to, to do construction, for example, or uh, is able to perform any 
uh, maintenance uh, project as well. Um, so sometimes it gets a bit challenging for the recruitment side of things to 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 find the 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 perfect candidates to fulfill those positions. In the resident shows, uh, it's a bit more comfortable in my opinion because you you have two teams. One one uh, well, it, it can be three teams depending on the shows as well. But uh, it, for for the my my previous experience. We have we have a day crew and a show crew. Uh, day crew is pretty much responsible for all the, the inspections and uh, achieve all the maintenance uh, for the show. And show crew exclusively performs trainings, uh, rehearsals, and has the responsibility of running the shows every day. So that's pretty much uh, the main differences that I've. I've I can see from both both experiences that I had, both types of shows. In um, the circus environment, are you also responsible for maintaining any of the acrobatic equipment or, you know, and, and, and what does that involve? Because obviously you'd have to make sure that all of that stuff is safe, right? Yes, of course. So that ver- varies from show to show, obviously. Each department uh, is accountable for one piece of equipment. Let's say, for example, uh, on a Cirque du Soleil show, we were responsible for the Russian cradle, for example. Uh, so that, that equipment had a metallic structure, had a bit of rigging, had um, an anchorage system uh, onto the stage as well. And with time, we, we came up with, uh, with a different uh, concept because initially all the opening and the closing of that uh, piece of equipment was made uh, by hand with the help of um, of uh, manual winches and that evolved slowly to have an hydraulic uh, fully mechanized uh, system for example and yes uh, on a day-to-day basis visual inspections are uh, made on all those uh, pieces of equipment prior to every show and if there is a, a, a training prior to every training as well. And after uh, at least once a week, there is a more in-depth inspection that is done on all those equipments. And how do you work and manage your way around? You said like this piece of equipment that you were using for the Russian cradle involves some uh, automation and rigging at the end of the day from packing, but in general to install it and everything. How do you manage that interaction between all the departments? Where do you own some parts of it and when do you leave it to someone else? Well, for that, that's the other, the other particularity. Let's say, for example, for that particular piece of equipment, uh, I would say we had uh, full autonomy uh, on, on its maintenance. Well, the only exclusivity, if it, we had to get uh, some cables uh, crimped, uh, we had to go through rigging. But uh, in general, I mean, normally, I never, I always interact very well with every department because each one of us has a, a very specific role. Uh, and for everything to work properly, uh, I mean, you need to to uh, be courteous and uh diplomatic i would say with with everyone uh so yeah that's pretty much that's pretty much it 
But obviously in the circus, you're dealing with a lot of international cast and crew. So there's probably a lot of differences of opinions about how things should run or backgrounds or standards. And in the carpentry world, have you ever had to manage or mitigate issues on that? Not really. Uh, not on that on that aspect. Maybe uh, culturally sometimes, but uh, personally, I never had any issues because since very very uh, early, uh, I, I had to to communicate and also uh, spend time with people uh, from the four four corners of the world. So that makes things a bit more more a bit more easier. So. On my particular case, I never had any 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 difficulty. By experience as well, I mean the job is the same, uh, regardless where where you are. The standards uh, should be the same as well, regardless where you are working. So I, I don't remember having like many issues on that on that side. You mentioned having some cultural, I want to say issues, but they're not necessarily issues well not issues differences differences yes thank you <laughs> so how do you navigate that when you're putting up a team you've mentioned earlier as well to, that um, you need to make sure that the candidate is well fit for for the position and sometimes they're hard to find and then if you add on top of that I don't know traveling and cultural differences and so how do you go about having a team and then maybe training people well, you know, if you, you start to go by the book, <laughs> I would say, uh, you need to make sure when you, you're doing hiring that you need to, to find someone that has either hard skills and soft skills, okay? For my personal case, I'll go a lot by the feel, and normally I had a, a, good, a good sense uh, when people will be... It's hard. It's hard to explain, but uh, I have this this little uh, I, I can explain this capacity to 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 guess. I would say when people will be fitting a team or not. Okay, and this regardless on their skills. Okay, I don't know. Most of the time, uh, I do an interview the same way that we're speaking right now. Okay, that's uh, I try to to get people comfortable on that process because uh, in general uh, candidates tend to get a bit stressed out on that uh, on that process so i think that's the best way to to try to get the the truth out of people is to get them comfortable and also uh, trying to be sincere uh, and honest in what the intentions are and then you establish some kind of training process for people that don't have necessarily all the hard skills you were looking for? Of course, yes. It's almost impossible to find someone that is or either has all the skills required for a position or uh, most of the time they'll have, you know, five out of the eight or, or eight out of the ten. So most of the time on the onboarding as well, there is always a training program that we put in place. Depending also on the evolution of the candidate, we'll spend specifically more time on uh, training the technician on on short tracks, for example, or more specifically uh, in construction, welding, painting. Depending on what 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 the the candidate is like. 
And what do you think that your growing up as a as a circus kid taught you or prepared you for this role and or life? Traditional circus, it's an excellent school because uh, it's it teaches you to be polyvalent. Okay, so you 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 get to learn a little bit of everything, uh, regardless uh, of what you do or, or or the position that you have. You need to put your hands on uh, on everything, and also uh, the example that I had my parents as well. Uh, they always taught me that before uh, being able to coordinate a team, you need to know how the job gets done. That was the learning process that I had to to go through. So my, my dad used to, to, to have this expression that uh, before being able to, to, to lead a team, I had to, to smell this, the horse's bum. So that means I had to shovel <laughs> the animal poop <laughs> before being able to, to, to lead uh, a group or, or, or a team. Okay. And, and then when you went back to circus as an adult, what? But was a lesson there. As an adult, uh, that has been very, very, very awkward because I have totally different experiences. Okay, but it's sad. It's sad to to to. I'm gonna say this, but uh, I don't know. Uh, it's it's a hard one. That's a that's a difficult uh, <laughs> question <laughs> that you have there. Are you are you thinking along the lines of it being your family circus versus a corporate uh, run uh, circus? Is there is there something lost in that, or you know, how do you feel about doing these bigger, sort of more corporately run, money making shows? It's it's two different worlds. Okay, one it's a bit more, it's hard, way harder because uh, working on a traditional circus. You you don't you don't have a life. You don't have a time to start. You don't have a time to end. So you don't have vacation. So yeah, when you you tell me <laughs> if I get to choose, obviously a more corporate uh, company. Uh, now that I've, I've I've tasted it, I know the value that has that has you know the organization, the the way that things are made, the structure. Uh, obviously. Everything makes makes much more sense uh, to me, even on the safety level, for example, or on the operation. So it's it's two two different worlds. Now I, I know that things evolved also a lot on the last twenty five years uh, compared to what it used to be when I was a teenager, as well. So it's a work in progress, uh, I would say. You know, so but we're getting there. I have a question that uh, we kind of asked Antonio when he was telling us about his experiences as a child uh, growing up in a circus, and it was about how schools worked. I don't know if you can tell us how uh, education was for you in terms of actually going to school. For me, uh, it was a very tricky school. I had pretty much to change school, different school, every two weeks. So this is, was my my reality. Touring with my parents, so every two, three weeks, or sometimes every week, I was going to a different school. So at the end, the final result is that you don't get to learn much because you're depending, you go to one city, they were on a particular 
way through the program, for example. I was going to another one. They were a bit more behind. So it's very hard. And for example, my parents didn't have the luxury to be able to have a permanent school on tour. First of all, there weren't enough kids for that because it's, it was a, a big investment for, for, for the company to be able to have that uh, on tour because you need the full-time teacher uh, and all of that. In Portugal, for example, what the, the, the Ministry of Education has put in place is that they give, uh, they allocate the computer, a laptop to children, and they give them also, they allocate them a class. So they have the, the same teammates uh, through the year. Uh, they attend the classes online and they need to go when they have to for the exams to go to the school presentially to do the, the exams. So that, this is how, how the system works. Uh, in other bigger European circuses, if they're lucky enough, they have a, a touring school with them. Uh, and this was the case also for a certain amount of years as well on tour with Cirque du Soleil. They used to have uh, two to three teachers uh, traveling with them as well uh, and give classes uh, to uh, every children from the range from six years old till 18. So that was, that was uh, pretty cool because... What was interesting is that uh, they, they, the classes were being given either in French or in English. And they had also uh, some acrobatic interactions because they were directly affiliated with the National uh, Circus School of Montreal. So that was, that was pretty, pretty cool. But unfortunately, that uh, had a hand as well. So it was a shame because, uh, I mean, children had a, an amazing an amazing experience uh, going to school like that. Yeah, it's a shame they stopped that for sure because I think that, um, you know, it, it also stops a certain demographic of adults participating in the circus and the touring environment, you know, because if they start to have children then they're, they can't be on tour or their family circumstances is more tenuous, I guess, right? So what uh, do you have children? Yes, I do. I have two. Two girls. So resident shows are a more suitable uh, situation for you right now, yeah? Yes, uh, they were uh, definitely. Um, I've tried the, the touring with my eldest daughter, but it was a bit challenging. So that's why when that opportunity appeared, uh, it was the perfect uh, moment for me to be able to, to stay in one place for a longer uh, time, I would say. Do you think that coming out of, uh, you know, into 2021 and into 2022 when shows come back online that um, they'll be coming back as big as they were as, as La Pearl and the shows like that? How do you think that's going to work? I hope so. Honestly, I hope so. But um, because I, I, I'm someone that has uh, faith, uh, obviously, most most of my family as well depends from those results, but I don't see this going very well. I don't want to sound negative because that's not my kind of uh, nature, be a neg- negative uh, person. But I don't see this going very well on the on the coming years. I think the 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 events will be picking up very slowly and will be somehow hard because 
the, adap the adaptation that uh, the industry will have to get in order to be able to go back uh, in business uh, has too many restrictions. And even if a vaccine is there, I mean, it's still going to be a, a slow process. This is my opinion. Uh, and it's not, it's not for any reason that uh, I'm currently trying to do a career change, for example, is because I don't see this going very, very well, unfortunately, uh, because obviously I was born in this. Entertainment runs in my veins. That's what I, I, used, to, I used to say. But uh, this is a reality that we're going through right now. I, I really hope that everything will come back as fast as possible. But who knows when? Have a plan B just in case. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And I hope everybody will have the same opportunity that I that, that I have because some don't. That's that's what is the the saddest uh, with all uh, all the situation that we're facing right now with this pandemic. Going back to cultural issues, I have probably one last question regarding that. Uh, you mentioned that uh, school was kind of a lot of lack of structure, and then you go to the military, which is all about structure. I was thinking the same thing, actually. It was like, did you have to catch up? <laughs> uh, no, I was lucky enough because my parents realized that, uh, uh, obviously, I wasn't learning anything on tour. So what the solution that they, they had at the time is to, to keep me with family outside of the circus. So what, uh, what I would do, I would come every, every weekend home. So home. Uh, wherever the circus would be, obviously. This was my, my childhood. And after when I became a teenager, uh, I stayed pretty much on the, on the, on the, same, on the same city uh, all year. So I will go to the circus only during my vacation. But my education was very strict and very uh, objective, I would say. So uh, actually, I never, I never had any difficulties going into the... The, the, the military uh, life at the time, you know. Uh, in traditional circus, there's a lot of discipline, believe it or not. So, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, when there's no days off and you're working all hours, then you're working at the military is not a, not a hard transition, I would imagine. <laughs> no, not at all. And as a head of carpentry or as a carpenter, what, what is it that you like most about your job? Well, obviously, I, I, I used to love the interaction with uh with people okay i think that's the 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 main the main thing to be able to communicate uh either with the other technicians with the performers all that relationship that you start to establish that trust relationship because they needs to be trust with uh, with everybody uh was was amazing for me for sure And if you could change anything on how the industry is structured, how we do things, uh, what would you change? Well, that's that's a that's a, a hard one. Uh, but the main one, it's just try to, if it's possible. Obviously, I understand that it's not always possible, but try to taking care more of people than actually numbers. Okay, this is my 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 main thing. Okay, take care of your people. And your numbers will come back good. That's what I always say, you know. And unfortunately, companies start to give 
more importance to their numbers and put the human factor aside. And uh, it's just a shame. That's all. That's the, the only thing I have to say. Outside of that, you know, entertainment is, has always been my passion. Nice. Do you feel like as a technician, sometimes you have to demonstrate to the company what do we do so they can understand why do they have to invest on having all these people that they never see? Yes and no. That question will vary from each company that I work for. So it was a totally different experience for, for with one company and the other. Okay. So uh, two different, two, two, two different visions uh, and perspectives as well. So everything is going to depend on, on, on how the proximity of upper management will have with, uh, with the show. How can I say? I have the, the, the experience, for example, of running a team without having a budget and uh, running a team with, diff- with several budgets, for example. Uh, so that's why it's, uh, if you want me to, to answer more precisely to, to, to a question, I need to develop or, you know, one or, or the other. But I think that we like you. I think the point is it can vary so much given what project, uh, what the show, what country you're in, if it's a resident show, what tour you're on, um, and that's the flexibility required when you work in the industry. You know, you have to. But the, the variables are are, are huge, uh, depending on on the needs as well. So, I mean, that's why uh, to to be able to give you a proper answer, I had to. You break know, it down uh, exactly <laughs> company by company maybe we should exactly do that. <laughs> no better not <laughs> oh well thank you so much christoph for uh giving us an insight into your world and, and your life as a head carpenter i really appreciate it thank you very much it was a pleasure we would love to hear from you our listeners on who you would like us to feature on this podcast or what topics fascinate you there's a link in our podcast description where you can send us your podcast requests and guest nominations. Theatre Art Life provides regular monthly webinars and podcasts for free, and if you have the means, donations can be made via a link in the podcast description. We would be thankful for any support you can give us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Life, the global media site for entertainment, at www.theatreartlife.com, and you can follow us on all social media platforms. We want to thank David Zare for composing the music for our podcast. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life podcast. Thanks for listening.